Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. We are all entitled to sexual health, just as much as physical and mental health. We want to make it easier for folks to find resources. However they engage with us, there's no wrong door. So it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming. Talking about what their sex life is, about their concerns, and to make sure they're healthy. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your sexual health matters. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Yo, what's happening, Rush Nation? It's Tuesday. Apologies for the later podcast than usual. That's my bad, but hey, it's the playoffs. We can take things slow. Well, Murph can't because his Buccaneers are there, baby. They are one game away from the big dance. Big man, how you doing? Ah, mate, it's been, isn't it, you know... So many wonderful things happened on on Sunday. You know, um, let's start with the Browns. They, I think, made a good account of themselves. They were unlucky probably not to get that one over the line. Dubious call in terms of a helmet-to-helmet miss that that cost them a touchdown. Um, And, you know, really made a game of it. And it was an exciting game. And then, you know, so many positives for, for my Buccaneers. You know, they're... Biggest game on Sunday now for 18 years. NFC Championship game. Never thought we would get here. Um, ending Drew Brees' career, proving that the Saints once again have continued on the path that they have done, which is to be brilliant in the post in the pre in the regular season and, and then not show up for the playoffs. And you know, it, yeah, I feel a bit sad for Brees to go out on the performance that he did. He clearly wasn't very good, and I think if. <laughs> No, but I I don't mean that in like a slight. Like he has been a very good quarterback for a number of years. Yeah, and I I've worst games he's played. That game will be in that a hundred percent. Three um three interceptions, um you know one touchdown, not a lot of yards. Didn't throw the ball. You know the lo- longest play from scrimmage for them was a six. You know take the Winston touchdown out because that was Winston was a 16 yard run you know he completed no passes over 15 yards it it was it was almost tragic in the in the kind of way that his career is going to end on that um but I don't care (laughs) (laughs) I thought we were brilliant and it was great to see the D um and it's been the draft picks of the last couple of classes that really stepped up in that game. So we'll get onto it, but yeah, terrific. I, I, unbelievable feeling um, to be there. And whatever happens Sunday, you know, we'll walk out heads proud that it's been a, a phenomenal season. 
Absolutely. For you, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, for any of those watching you us on the live stream, I'd like to put you on notice that Murph's internet has jumped twice already. So Lee, be prepared to jump in should Murph disappear because there isn't a guest this week. Murph, don't worry about it. We've got you back if the power out there in Ashton does go. But yeah, man, I, I'm so excited for, for the weekend for the Bucks game. And because I'm furloughed, I think I'm going to try and stay up and watch it. Yeah, well, it's an earlier game. It's, it's only an 8.05 kickoff, the Bucks game. So we got the early kickoff Sunday, um, which is for nice. For some reason, we've... yeah, I just presume I always think the Bucks are the late game. Always, yeah. No, you know the other two pre, uh, the other two postseason games we have been. We've been the last game, last game on Saturday, last game on Sunday. We're first up on on Sunday, eight oh five, and then the Bills Chiefs follow us. So it means not a late night for me, um, and it means that whatever happens can enjoy it and. But if we win it, I'm not sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's pretty much a given. So, and then what, what happens with work if you need the Super Bowl Monday off because the I'll Bucks take get it off? <laughs> oh, but that's good. At least you've got that option. Yeah, I'll just Some take people... it off. It's all right. I, you know, not many times you're going to get to experience your team in the Super Bowl. Uh, so, for me, it's once in 20 years. For some fans, it's never happened. So. You know, of course I'll be doing it if it if it's us in there. That, that's good news. Good news. So, listener leagues, did you participate in a five yard rush rush listen league where you were winner? Did you win a T-shirt? Well, guess what? The T-shirts have been ordered. They are on their way to me. So as soon as I have them, we'll send you messages to let you know that they are in the post. If you weren't in a listen league. Why didn't you apply? Because you could have won a dope T-shirt. They're different every single year. Last year's were pretty good. This year's are, in my opinion, better. So, yeah, next year, get involved in the Listen League and maybe get the chance to win a T-shirt. And the Rushies, Murph, we're gonna, we want some more award categories. Yeah, just send over some uh, categories. We'll hopefully try and post a theme like we did a theme on TV shows last year. So once we've got that, send over some ideas. Or send over some theme ideas. It'd be good to have them as well. So uh, last year was TV shows, but any sort of theme or award category you want us to consider, send that over and we'll we'll see what we can do. We want to try and make it three listener categories if possible. So just send them over on the Twitter, do the usual thing. I've got a good one. I might pose as a listener or get somebody to throw it in because I think it's going to be a fun one. And then, Murph, what's what's better than watching the Super Bowl than than watching the, the Super Bowl with a giveaway, right? Um, apparently so. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking. To, you you um, do have to win the giveaway to, to experience that, but we do have one. What is it? Yeah, no, I teased this just on Twitter uh, 30 minutes ago. We, we only just sort of got this on finalized, but the, the great folks of uh, Hickory Smokehouse, and you've probably seen Jeff Reinbold promoting it. You've probably seen their Super Bowl um, boxes. Well, They've got in touch with us and we've agreed to partner with them. And as a result, we're going to be giving away one of their Super Bowl boxes, um, which is a retail value of £70. It's absolutely incredible. All the food you could ever want for your household on game day and especially the Super Bowl. So we're going to post a tweet either later today or later tonight or tomorrow So if you're listening to this on the podcast, it should be out. It will be our pinned tweet. To win it, what you need to do is enter. You need to follow us. You need to follow Hickory Smokehouse and tag two friends in the comment section. So do all of those things and you'll be in with a chance to win it. And then we will do some form of video for everybody that's uh, legally entered uh, to win this. And we will make sure that you win it. Um, and get it delivered by Super Bowl Sunday. So why not enjoy Super Bowl Sunday with a box from Hickory Smokehouse, courtesy of them, via us. So again, listen out, follow the Twitter um, for that, and Instagram if you want to join us on Instagram. It will be on there too. And we'll take all the all the entries and make sure that we draw it out live and you'll be able to see it. So Good luck. Make sure you enter. There's nothing better than this. And this is one of probably one of the best prizes we'll give away in in quite some time. So looking forward uh, to that. I've had the food. It's incredible. Real vintage sort of American smokehouse kind of food. So enjoy it. Yeah. Tell two friends to tell two friends about the Hickory Smokehouse box. There's nothing better than free meat on Super Bowl Sunday. Let's do it. Let's get to the news. Oh no, before we do the news, there's a special Super Bowl giveaway on Super Bowl Sunday for the Five Yard Rush Super Bowl Sunday special show. Yes, nailed it. What are we doing, Murph? Uh, we are going to have a very special 
Supernatural show. Um, so, and in there, we'll be giving away a jersey, signed jersey. Not going to detail who it is yet, but we are going to be giving away a signed jersey. And yeah, it very simply is just a case of listening to the show. Um, we will also ask for a donation to our charity appeal um, to do that. So listen to the show, listen to the instructions. It'll be open for two weeks, but we've got a very special Super Bowl show with a host of friends and guests and all sorts of things. So get your Super Bowl Sunday right with a Super Bowl show from us. Maybe you're going to win one of our Hickory smoke box, uh, Smokehouse boxes, and maybe even that same person might win a signed jersey of a great NFL player. So, yeah, um, and it might only cost you a couple of hours of listening time and uh, a small donation to our charity uh, appeal, um, which we'll share the details of. But uh, it, and that goes out to anybody who's who's listened to us, um, enjoyed our content, played in our leagues. If you've got a spare bit of change, whatever it is, quid, couple of quid, whatever, we, we've got to go fund me. The link will be in the show notes. Um, we're raising uh, money for Unique. Uh, which is a rare chromosome uh, appeal charity. They're trying to fund research to um, support and, and, and handle uh, those that suffer from a rare chromosome disease. So um, really cool charity, not a very big charity. So they really need all the support, especially what's happened with COVID. So if you listen to this and just enjoy the content, what anything at all, please just, give what you can to it and we're going to be doing a lot more competitions and things to to raise that money we've had a great start to the season already in terms of the amount we've raised and we really want to raise five thousand pounds for them the other thing i forgot to mention on the hickory smoke box it's uk listeners only they cannot <laughs> ship this thing abroad um in case you've been listening to us for a year and haven't worked out that we live in the uk um, they can't ship this thing abroad. It is fresh meat, obviously. So it can't go to any other country. So it's only UK people <laughs> who can win the Hickory Smoke Box. Completely forgot to mention that before I should. Yeah, no, tremendous point. Uh, had we not done but that. But we... the signed jersey will go anywhere. Yeah, we might ask for a contribution to postage if you win. Um, not the full thing, but just, you know, because we would obviously be paying postage. But we might ask for a small uh, contribution to postage. Uh, just to cover that depending on where you live because if we're sending this secure mail to australia that's a lot of money um as we have found out already once this year so i, I will be year. vacuum packing the bejesus out of that bad boy if it's going to australia to get the size down right murph let's talk some news and robert salah has been appointed as the new york jets head coach salah came from the 49ers as the defensive coordinator how do you feel about this one uh, i I kind of uh, sitting on the fence here. I don't really sit on the fence too often. I th- I think he's a he's a, a reasonably good coach. Um, you know, he's had talent to work with, and he's definitely made the most of that. Of course, he was a Super Bowl uh, defensive coordinator last year. Um, you know, he's got the right attitude. He he definitely is going to g up um, the the locker room, and he's definitely going to get people to fight for him. I think that much is pretty clear. Um, I guess for me. I haven't really seen him do this with a, a caliber of players that aren't of the caliber of players he's got. And what I mean by that is I haven't seen him in a situation where he's had to work with a lesser talented group of players. And that's no knock on what is available at the, at the 40, at the jets, but you know, their defensive players aren't what they are at the 49ers. And also what he does on, on offense, who he who he hires as a, offensive coordinator these are all really key things culturally he could be a really really good fit but there are some question marks for me as to uh, what he's going to do to get this done but and and the other thing is as well you know the the Jets do well with defensive coordinators but they've let some really good ones go um, as head coach and you know most recently Todd Bowles who, who had limited success and his time was up eventually uh, thankful to those of us here in Tampa that it was um, but what happens next in terms of is he going to be the guy to take them to out of this periphery they've been in the last three or four years i it remains to be seen for me so but i you know i like the energy i like the coach so that's one step in in the right direction i guess 100 percent. i imagine he would have loved it if jamal adams was still there to have that key piece there but 
that that's no longer a thing. I I must have missed how Tom felt about this, the five yard college guy on the chat. Yeah, I think him and and Rich, um, Five Yard Dynasty as well, they're both Jets fans. And I think, you know, they spoke reasonably positively about it. Um, I I think, but I think you're also going to if you hire a new coach. I think anytime you hire a new coach, you're always. Unless it's Adam (laughs) Gaze. Well, there's talk of him potentially um, becoming the Seahawks offensive coordinator, which I just think is is mind baffling if that happens. That would be terrible news for all parties involved. So the Jaguars yeah, have appointed... Uh, Murph's not on board with this one one bit. I'll let him crack on with this. The Jaguars have appointed former Florida and Ohio State coach as then... Oh, you've done me. You've done me with the read again. <laughs> Urban Meyer has been hired by the Jaguars. He was former Florida and Ohio State head coach. Yeah, I, I found it difficult to write his name. So. <laughs> um, like, I, this, this is a hard one for me to talk about. What, what I'll say this... Great football mind, great football coach. He won national titles at Florida. He won national titles at, at Ohio State. There is no doubting that this man is a very, very, very good football coach. Ethically, I think rewarding Urban Meyer with an NFL job at this stage of his career with all the indiscretions, and I'm not going to list them all. There's a lot. I'm not going to list them all. Um, I think for me, it's highly questionable. And I look at the NFL as a league that is always positioned to be whiter than white. Um, And listen, at times it falls down, but the right punishments and the right justice has always prevailed. And the meaning of the NFL has always been that the league matters over everything else. And for me, I think this hire tarnishes that a little bit. I just think with everything he has ever gone through, and it's a lot. I mean, we're not talking about this guy made one mistake. And, you know, this guy's been run out of town in two jobs. You'll read the bullet points and say that he left of his own accord. And, um, you know, there were medical reasons. Just don't buy into all of that. There was so much as to when when he left Florida, he was probably the most unpopular head coach at the very end of it. And this guy won a national title at Ohio state. He made his position completely untenable. He served a ban in the year that he left. If you want to talk to me privately about it, I I will do. I I don't feel comfortable talking about some of the things that he has done on air um, just because they're horrific. And yeah, I, what I will say is he's landed in as good a position as you're ever going to land in. As a, as, a, as a rookie head coach in the NFL. He's going to have the number one pick, so he's going to have Trevor Lawrence. He, they haven't hired a GM, so guess what? Urban Meyer's going to hire the GM, pretty much. It's coach over GM in this situation. If you know this with a lot of positions, they, they got the GM first and then hired the head coach. That is not the case here. So he's got the first pick. He's going to take Trevor Lawrence, a potentially generational quarterback. He's going to have the right to pick a GM. They've got cap space. They've got multiple first-round draft picks. They're, he's living the dream. Yeah, um, he's dreamy. Uh, absolutely. Um, I just question whether or not he's going to last, given what he has done previously and has been run out at two college programs. But we have to see. Um I'm not happy to see him in the NFL, but it's happened. So I'll be intrigued to see how he gets on. Was he head coach at the time of Aaron Hernandez at the Gators? Yes. Ah, okay. Yeah, and well, that is one of his indiscretions. Yeah, no, that wasn't great. Um, so let's move on. The Falcons have appointed Arthur Smith as their next head coach. Smith was the Titans OC. Good, bad, indifferent on this one. Falcon fans I've spoken to feel really indifferent about this. And in fact, I think most NFL fans I've spoken to have been quite indifferent about it. I'm reasonably positive on this hire. Um, I think the Falcons have done a good job. Um, did a really good job in in Tennessee. You know, you got to think that he was the head coach. Um, yeah, they've been to the playoffs the last few years, but they, they handled that transition of quarterback from Mariota to Tannehill. He got the best out of Tannehill that we've seen out of his career. He's managed to develop a very strong run game, as we have seen. He's been able to scheme up and be competitive against most 
good defenses in the NFL. You know, the the Titans are not a team that struggled to put up points last season. And in fact, some of their struggles were on the defensive side of the ball, not the offensive side of the ball. So I like Arthur Smith. I think he's worked with not marquee players and turned them into very good players. Um, I think he knows how to scheme an offense pretty well. I'm intrigued to see who they bring in at, at DC because that will be really interesting. But I think Falcons fans should be optimistic. I, I like Arthur Smith. I think he comes across as a very knowledgeable and very competent coach. Would I say he's as rah-rah as someone like Robert Salah? No. Do I think that's a detriment? No, because I think they've got enough guys in those in the dressing room that will do the talking for him. But I think he gets very quick buy-in. And any noise I've ever heard about the Titans, you know, you, you, you hear about the Titans, you don't really hear all these misdemeanors and um, uh, locker room antics and, and fractions in the, in the locker room. And that's not just the head coach, but that's also on the OC and the DC. Um, and everything you kind of hear out of the Titans locker room tends to be pretty positive. So that speaks volumes to the kind of culture that he can hold. So, and I think the Falcons need that. They've had mm. the last few years, these things come out of the locker room. And I think like Salah, I think Arthur Smith can bring a really good culture to that team. And he's a very understated winner in that regard. So yeah, I, I, out of, I would say out of the five hires so far at head coach, he's my favorite. He's the one I like the most. Yeah, I think he's a great fit. I think what, what Dan Quinn did for the Falcons wasn't great and they needed somebody who was offensively minded. And if Arthur Smith can bring that with the weapons they've got, I know like maybe Ryan might not be there, Julio might not be there because their cap is pretty tight, if not well above. The fact that they have somebody offensively minded with some of the weapons they have. I mean, Calvin Ridley, he's you know one of the best in the league now. So give him some caliber like you said that he hasn't had and let's see what he can do yeah i i couldn't agree more i just think this is a really good um i just think this is a really good time for the falcons next year's going to be rough okay let's let's not look at this any other way next season is going to be rough it's going to be very tough for them as it is for a few other teams but i think you know 2022 i think it's going to be a good time for them 100% 100% agree. So the Chargers have appointed Brandon Staley to be their next head coach. Staley will make the zero-mile journey from the Rams to the Chargers, leaving the Rams to appoint a new defensive coordinator for the third time in four years. Yeah, this is a really interesting one. Um, Brandon Staley is coming off his worst game as a defensive coordinator when the, the Packers shellacked them to a, a high number of of yards and it's easy to say oh Aaron Donald was was injured um but they they the scoreboard I don't want to say it was flattering but the scoreboard's a little bit uh lopsided I, the game was a lot bigger than that for me um and we'll get into that I think it's an interesting appointment given the fact of he has produced a pretty good defense over the last couple of years um but I can't help but think with the Chargers that they are they're not going to give him a lot of rope. I think he's the sort of hire that you're bringing in. You know, they, they made it very clear that the defensive coordinate or the offensive coordinator is staying. They didn't fire the offensive coordinator. So they have brought in a, a head coach where they're not going to give him full reign to hire the entire coaching staff, which is they like quite a lot of the pieces that they've got. They just felt that the, the head of the operation needed a bit of a change. Um, the other thing as well with, with Staley is you're not having to pay any form of relocation. Um, you know, he lives, he doesn't have to move. He's coaching in the same stadium. So he doesn't need to acclimatize to situations. He's just literally going to be playing for the other team in the same stadium. So I think that's really interesting that the Chargers are trying to do this one on the cheap. I don't know if that's due to the fact they're not had some great revenues and they're a bit concerned and don't want to spend a lot of money or they genuinely believe this is the guy because they see him quite a lot, given the fact that they're in the same stadium. I don't know which of those outcomes is true, but I do think it's interesting. He of all these hires probably has the least um, rope in terms of uh, ability to do his job from a hiring all of his coaches and, and all of that perspective. So that, that part really, really stands out for me. Yeah, I presume you can still hear me, right? Yeah. Super. My video appears to have frozen, but I'll carry on. I'll, I'll just keep going. 
So Dan Campbell, the Saints assistant head coach and Titan coach is expected to be named as the next Lions head coach. I've seen absolutely nothing about this. Well, yeah, I mean, you got to remember that the, the Saints have just been eliminated. So this was talked about um, before the, the game on Sunday that he was they were leaning towards this position. So much so that Todd Bowles, the defensive coordinator of the Buccaneers, had an interview and he cancelled the interview um, because he felt that the job was, was pretty much sewn up. Um, that tells you everything you need to know that this is a done deal. It's just not been made official. I guess they're going through the paperwork and, and the, the things that you need to do. From, from what I know with Dan Campbell is he's not an X's nose guy. This guy's never been a coordinator in the league. Um, he is a motivational guy. He's a locker room guy. Again, you're looking at culture, trying to build that sort of culture and, and development. Now, the NFL hired one of these uh, types of coaches just last year um, when they hired Freddie Kitchens. Now, I'm not saying Freddie Kitchens and Dan Campbell were the same person. Far, far from it. Freddie Kitchens came across as a very wholesome um, guy. Um, but Freddie Kitchens had been an NFL coordinator for three months before he got an NFL job. He went a year and got fired. My problem with, with Dan Campbell is – I don't know how you can be a head coach in the NFL, how you really haven't been a coordinator in the NFL and you're not the biggest X's no guy. So he's not going to call the plays. The co the coordinators are going to do that job. Mm -hmm. So you either have to hire the best coordinators there are out there. You get Wade Phillips on, on defense and you get a really good offensive coordinator. Like maybe, I mean, you're not going to get, Greg Roman to change, but you find a decent offensive coordinator out there. Maybe it might work. I'm very skeptical of this hire. I just think, listen, he's learned under some great coaches. He's been under Sean Payton for, for so long, but I can't help but feel if you've never got your hands dirty, are you really the guy to, in an, in an organization that needs a, a huge overhaul, not just from a culture perspective, but a player perspective, a personnel perspective. It doesn't sound like he's, going to be the person to do all that it sounds like a heavily delegated job now that's very different if you're Bruce Arians and you're 68 years old you're a two-time coach of the year you've earned your stripes you've done all of those things you know Bruce Arians can wash his hands of play calling he can wash his hands of um, doing certain things because he's earned that right and he, he knows how to do it is Dan Campbell in that league I don't personally think so but I'm fascinated to see how it works out yeah, the Lions are in desperate need of some sort of culture change. So it's, it's a step in the right direction, but we have to wait and see. So George Patton has been hired as the next Denver, Denver general manager. He's had multiple roles within the Vikings as he's been there for 14 years. He was an assistant general manager and most recently VP of player personnel. I presume that that means Elway is stepping back from GM. Yeah, yeah. So he's gone upstairs. He's oh, now yeah. president of the team. I didn't realize there was an upstairs that Elway could go to in Denver. I thought he no, was on the top floor. <laughs> no, he, he created his own new floor. Um, <laughs> Roof garden. I don't know what to make of this. I think George Patton's just a yes man. Do you, you, I mean, typically the job of the GM is to hire people to you know run the draft, etc. Are you telling me on draft day, John Elway's not going to come in <laughs> and just take over the room? Like, not a hope. Especially, especially like, after last year's show-off and his Zoom call with what he had going on, right? Yeah, exactly that. I just can't help but think that George Patton is going to have the title, the pay of a GM, but he's not really going to be a GM. He's just going to be... It, it, it's like the equivalent of when Putin um, <laughs> had, to be, had to be prime minister. Um like the lower house and he appointed his successor who ran the, who was the president and the president was the one that signed everything off, but he had none of the power. I kind of feel like this is the scenario that's been painted here. <laughs> it's still all, it's still Elway's show. Elway's still going to run the show. I can't see how it's going to be anyone but Elway running the show. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, I guess Elway. But he left the... a cushy role with the, at the, at the Vikings. So you never know, but I'm, I'm not so sure. Unless he's just going to do everything that Elway tells him and it's even easier a cushy job because he's just replying to emails, yes, and he's getting paid even more money, right? Yeah, so we'll see what happens. <laughs> Detroit Lions have hired Brad Holmes to be their new GM. Holmes, Holmes, 
Holmes I'm going with because it's like Sherlock has had a lot of roles within the Rams organization as was there for 18 years. Yeah, they've also paid two third round draft picks as compensation to get Holmes. Wow. So this is a guy that they wanted. And I I, I don't know a lot about Brad Holmes as, as a man, but you look at his CV. I mean, he has had every job you could imagine in the front office, except for GM. So any person that's been part of an organization for that long has known how to do all the roles around it deserves a chance to be a GM in my book because he's done all the roles that all his subordinates are, are going to do. So he knows what it takes. Rams have been a pretty successful organization. Okay. He, so he started just after the, the, the glorious Super Bowl uh, win in 2000 that they had, but he's seen a relocation of a franchise. He is, I mean, he, he's probably witnessed and been firsthand on the front lines of, of most things that most people have not been part of, you know, like I said, relocation of franchise, um, you know, the hiring and firing of, of head coaches. Um, you know, you're talking about uh, big trades. This, this guy's done it all. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think it's a really interesting hire. And it's going to be interesting. He was hired before um, Dan Campbell. So it'll be interesting to see what their vision is combined together. But it's not going to be Dan Campbell running the show. It's going to be Brad Holmes. Nice. Seattle Seahawks VP of Football Operations, Scott Fitterer, Fitterer, has been hired by the Carolina Panthers as the next GM. I have no real view of who he is or what he has done, other than he's a VP of Football Operations at the Seahawks and did it for a few years, so I, I imagine he's a pretty smart guy. Okay, we will move on. Now this one, this gets some traction. It's starting to appear that Deshaun Watson may have played his last down as a Texan. Schefter reported at the weekend there, Head coach role is the most undesirable remaining, and that appears the Texans are resigned to losing Deshaun Watson. Yeah, I uh, we talked about this last week. Lee joined on last week. I said that at the end of the day, they should probably uh, move, um, move him on. It sounds like that that is becoming more and more of a, of a reality, and and I think uh, it should. Um, I think they've got an opportunity to reset their franchise and. Fast forward their rebuild with a player who who will want to be there versus a player who, who doesn't. Um, I I just think he's going to leave, and I still believe that Miami is is the best option for him and for te- and for the Texans. <laughs> only because the Texans are going to want a haul for him, and Miami, the only team for me I can see that can pay that kind of fee, that is going to pry. Uh, Deshaun Watson away and I know Lee disagrees but uh, and I get it but I think at the end of the day I'm looking at what are the other organizations in the NFL got that it that can get Deshaun Watson this year there isn't a lot there isn't a lot of teams with multiple first round picks including a high value pick this year they haven't got a quarterback that they can trade alongside that, that they would want, that potentially they might think or want to trade. Uh, and, and maybe Miami don't want to trade to her. I, you know, at the end of the day, it might not happen. I'm just looking at it from a logical perspective of Watson makes sense to Miami. Miami become instantly a better team with him. There aren't many windows in which you get the opportunity to get a top five quarterback in the NFL. It just doesn't really happen. Um, they don't go to free agency that often. You know, guys like Mahomes are tied up for the next 10 years. It's not going to, you know, he's not going to go. Pat Mahomes is not going to hit free agency in his prime. Lamar mm-hmm. Jackson probably isn't going to hit free agency in his prime. They're already trying to work out a deal to pay him. So you've got all these players that never, ever get to free agency. We see Brady. Brady hit free agency at 42. All right, he's had a phenomenal season, but he's, <laughs> yeah. he's 43. My, my point is these quarterbacks do not become free agents. So if there's a window of opportunity to get one that's going to front your – you're going to forward up your runway and secure you a serious Super Bowl window and you've got the capital to pay it, I think you've got to do it. You know, there's talk about Watson to Carolina. I just don't see it. I don't see – 
where Carolina is an attractive fit for Deshaun Watson. And he's got a no-trade clause. So if there's a spot he doesn't like, he doesn't have to go. That's the difference. He would waive it for Miami. He's pretty much him or his agent or someone that's made it perfectly clear. He's quite happy to go to Miami. And I don't blame him. It's a great spot to land. That is a well-organized team right now <laughs> in a Super Bowl window. And when, yeah. when and like, I had somebody ask me the other day saying, how can you say Miami are in a Super Bowl window? Because they've executed a plan that has allowed them to be in a Super I mean, if they'd not won 10 games this season, I'd still say they're in a Super Bowl window because you can see the trajectory of where they're going. They have built and planned for this moment. As Lee said last week, this has been a five-year plan that they've been working on to build up to this point. And they, as Lee said last week, they're ahead of where they should be and they overperformed, which is now, unfortunately for the front office, put additional pressure on the franchise. They're not going to be picking three again in the draft anytime soon. It's just not going to happen. So you have to look at that and think, if I can get a top five quarterback and that puts us right at the front of the Super Bowl window, this is your opportunity to avoid being the New Orleans Saints for the next five years. A team that makes the playoffs and does nothing. Mm. You know, the, the Saints have had consistently a top five team in the last five years. They've won 13 games or 12 games in the last five years in the regular season. They've been a one seed, a two seed, uh, a three seed in the last five seasons. They made one NFC championship game. No Super Bowls. That, that, and and they, they hemorrhage. They bet the house and the future on it. The Miami Dolphins can't afford that kind of failure. And that is what the, the Saints last five years is, is failure. So you have to look at, and this is what I mean. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying Tua is a bad quarterback, far from it. But if you are not absolutely sure that this guy is going to win you a Super Bowl, you have to make this move because it's not going to be presented to you. And there are other teams I think don't need to go, like Carolina, we're on their own rebuild project. But it's not, it's not far enough down the road that paying Watson now makes sense. You know, Miami getting Watson turns a 10-team win, the team win, uh, 10-win team <laughs> into a playoff team next year. i got no doubt that they'll make the playoffs, whether they make it for winning the division, which is up for grabs. It's them or the Bills. Or through the wild card. And then when you're in it, you see with Tampa, they're in the NFC title game, they did it through the wild card. Mm. It can happen. I just think, yeah. And I can't think of any other team right now that should go for Watson and can pay the capital. Finally, Marty Herney is reported, and this is pretty much breaking like math, is reported to become the next GM of the Washington football team. He was previously the GM of the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, um, so he's been reunited with his, uh, with his buddy there, Ron Rivera. They work well together. Kind of makes sense. Um, so, yeah. And then, the, 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 I mean, the, they, they know each other. It's going to be a good culture fit. And then this next point is in tiny font. Murph, is this an actual thing, or have you added this in? Yeah, yeah, it's an actual thing. I just copied and pasted it into the. Fair top. enough. The Falcons have hired Saints executive. Footnote: Fontenot. Yeah, Fontenot. Fontenot, great name. That's a great name on the back of the shirt as their general manager. Yeah, I don't know much about. Um, I don't know much about Terry Fontenot. I know he's been hired as as the GM. I know that the saints are getting some form of compensation through draft picks. Um, I don't know what the compensation is. I am uh, third round picks, compensatory picks. Cause it's a minority hire of 2021, 2022 third round picks um, for the saints. So they'll get some draft capital. Um, so yeah, uh, I, I don't know much about Fontenot. Um, you know, he wasn't very senior in, well, I mean, he was an executive. So be interesting to see what he does there, but I don't know a lot. He's going to have probably, you know, with, with Arthur Smith, they're going to have a really interesting job ahead of them to see what they try and do next year with his cap room. Uh, I don't envy the job that he's got. <laughs> no, not at all. Right, Murph, the Eagles are looking for a new head coach and the Texans are significantly behind in their search. What's going on at Philadelphia and Houston? We'll start with Philadelphia. This is the current state of play that, that we know. Um, the only interview that they have conducted that has been completed and um, the person is still on the market is Joe Brady. He was the Panthers offensive coordinator who was the LSE, uh, L, um, LSU 
offensive coordinator when they won the national championship uh, with Joe Burrow uh, just a little over 12 months ago. Um, so it's interesting. He's definitely a guy who is picking a lot of interest right now. Um, I'm not sure he gets this job. Um, they have requested, sorry, let's start with planned. They have planned to speak to Patriots inside linebackers coach, Jared Mayo. I don't know much about him, um, but this name, I think everybody is familiar with, which is Patriots offensive coordinator, Josh McDaniels. Um, so Josh McDaniels uh, is planned to speak to the Eagles about this. They've also requested interviews with um, three other coordinators, uh, Chiefs offensive coordinator, Eric Bieniemy, um, Bucks defensive coordinator, uh, Todd Bowles. And this one probably shocked me the most of all of them, which is Cowboys offensive coordinator, Callum Moore. Wow. So really the choice here, Josh McDaniels is probably the most qualified coach uh, or coordinator in the NFL who isn't the coach. And if you can get over the fact that he um, turned down a team at the last, at the last minute, and you can get over what he did in Denver, then he he's going to be the coach. Mm. Um, it's really going to be more down to does, does McDaniels want to go to the Eagles? The enemy seems to have interviewed for about eight, nine head coaching jobs and not got the job. So that's really interesting to me that nobody's given him the job, which makes me think, is this guy really like the guy? Mm. Is, is he actually good enough to be an NFL coach? Because that's a lot of interviews to not get a job. Kellen Moore, I don't think it's a serious one. I think it's just picking his brain or getting his some inside information. I don't really know. I, I can't see Kellen Moore being a coach in the NFL uh, now um, at this stage, especially when there's question marks who's going to keep his job. Todd Bowles, I don't think he's got a shot because I think looking at what the Eagles are, they remain the offensive team. Hiring a defensive coordinator just doesn't make any sense. Um, you know, who's he going to coach there? They, they've got their defensive roster is, is poor, and and hiring Todd Bowles isn't going to fix that. Mm. So I think is that really the route you want to go down? So for me, this is a two-headed job. I think it's either going to be Josh McDaniels if he wants the job. And if he doesn't, then I think it might go to Joe Brady. I'd be surprised. I mean, Eric Bieniemy, maybe he aces the interview this time. Maybe he gets it. But I, I could pretty safely rule out Todd Bowles, Callum Moore. I, I don't know anything about Jared Mayo, so it, it's hard for me to rule him in or out of anything. But yeah, that's kind of where I, I see the search going. And it's, it's, it's also Eric Bieniemy. I mean, it does regardless of how many jobs he's been for and not got, He's in one of the best jobs in the NFL right now, coaching the Chiefs' offensive side of the ball. You, unless you're severely wanting that head coach's job, that's a job. I, me personally, I mean, that's got to be one of the most fun jobs in the league, right? There's a lot well, less. He's he's interviewed with all this team, so that's telling you he wants the job. Yeah, or he's this doing is it third for... year in a row that he has gone. You know, as we saw, you can turn down, you can decline interviews. Yeah, I just wonder. And if... you're, you're probably doing a couple as practice, right? You, mm. you know, the, probably the first few times he got called up, he's probably taken them and gone, yeah, fine. Um, probably last year, he probably thought, I should probably look at a couple, even if he's not going to take the job, right, and, and do it. But, you know, he, he's already interviewed for jobs this year, and he's been requested to speak to more. If he's not serious, he's not hosting any more interviews. That's true. He's also, uh, we'll move on to the Texans then because Eric Bieniemy has been requested as one of their interviewees for the Texans job. Yeah, so they have completed several interviews, which says that if you've let the guy out the room, they're probably not going to hire him. And I know I've said that about Joe Brady with the Eagles, and maybe that's why I'm, I'm not thinking they're going to go down that route unless uh, Josh McDaniels turns him down. But they've completed a number of interviews and uh, they've walked out of the room, which makes me think that they're not going to get the job. Um, so Joe Brady has also interviewed there and that interview is completed. Jim Caldwell, who's the former Lions and Colts head coach, has, has done his interview there. Matt Eberflus, who's the Colts defensive coordinator, who's done an outstanding job last couple of years. Leslie Frazier, who is the Bills assistant head coach and defensive coordinator, has also um, completed interviews. Um, there is a fifth one, and this is the one I think is, I wouldn't say it's likely to happen, but it's probably the one I would i would go for um, if I'm the Texans. And this is Marvin Lewis, who's the former Bengals head coach, who's currently the Arizona State co-defensive coordinator. And the reason I say that is I think Marvin Lewis is the one guy who could keep Deshaun Watson in Texas. Um, one of many grievances that 
that he has is the fact that Watson is he wasn't consulted on the GM hire. He was very unhappy that Eric Bieniemy didn't get an interview, um, and he feels that there is a uh, quote unquote minority problem in in Texas that nobody kind of understands him or his background or or, or things like, like that. M- Marvin Lewis being a, a heavily prominent um, African American figure with many years of experience, and and, and le- let's be honest, Marvin Lewis turned. Um, lemons into lemonade more more times than many other coaches because the guy got no support in Cincinnati. I mean, he put up with some serious um, things with lack of investment and, you know, not using free agency and not signing players. And, uh, you know, he had to put up with a lot and he did, he did a lot with a very little and he built a very, very good culture. It's no surprise to me that Marvin Lewis leaves and the Bengals are, uh, I don't want to say a laughing stock, but you know they're picking in the in the in the top five of the draft for the second year in a row. Mm. That their his successor has won four games, five games now. Sorry, since uh, he took charge and he's been in charge of thirty-two games. Um, makes it, it doesn't shock me that Marvin Lewis massively outperformed. Is he a guy who's going to win you a Super Bowl? Probably not. Is he a guy that's going to bring stability and build the foundation for the next guy? Yeah. And I think that's what Marvin Lewis is. He's a stopgap hire, a uh, three to four year coach um, who can really build a platform for change and excellence. And that's what I think the Texans need right now. Mm-hmm. So, and I think if you hire him, he could probably convince Watson to stay, but we'll see what happens. So that's the guy I would hire. Um, they also have planned um, to meet, Tim Kelly, who's the Texans offensive coordinator. So not to an internal guy there. Um, and, and David Cully, who's the Ravens assistant head coach, wide receiver coach. Now I, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know how David Cully is getting a, an interview. Um, and Wink Martindale isn't or Greg Roman isn't. Like I find that fascinating that the wide receiver coach, all right, he's the assistant head coach, but the wide receiver coach is getting an interview over the best defensive coordinator in football in the last three years and one of the best offensive coordinators over the last few years. Mm. Doesn't make sense to me at all. So, uh, you know, again, looking at this list, I can pretty much rule out everyone except Marvin Lewis, maybe be enemy. Maybe this is his job. Yeah. I I think it's that, or it's someone who's not on this list because I can't see who else they're going to go for. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Right, Murph, let's talk about some football just gone. We've got about five minutes per game. The Bills advanced to the AFC Championship game with a 17-3 win versus the Ravens. The Ravens were absolutely terrible in this game. Yeah, so I've watched this game back twice because I I was trying to understand it. And I think think the high winds and the the weather really played a factor in this game. You know, I, I can't remember a game in which Justin Tucker's missed two field goals. It's probably have to go back into the very beginnings of his career. Um, it hits the post with both. I thought Josh Allen was good. I wouldn't say this was one of his better games, um, but I thought he was good. Um, but really, this came down to the Ravens just not executing anywhere. Um, Lamar didn't really put many throws on a dime. Um, you know, the running backs weren't brilliant. Um, and, you know, the, the Bills did a really, really good job. They stuffed the Ravens here. Obviously, then um, Lamar Jackson gets a concussion at the end of the third quarter. Yeah, he can't play the fourth quarter. Um, but I just don't think they moved the ball well. And if I'm sitting here, you know, people are sitting here starting to give the knock to uh, Lamar Jackson saying he can't get it done. He can't get it done. Um, I think he has to take some responsibility for the defeat. Absolutely. But I think at the end of the day, the the problem I have with their offense is his wide receivers are like four foot three. <laughs> you know, he's got no big catch radius guy. You know, it's no secret that when you look at teams that built to win championships, you have guys who can catch the football. You look at all, you look at the four teams that are in the championship. Round. You've got Stefan Diggs, massive catch radius can catch the ball and you've got John Brown as well. Who's also got a big catch radius. Uh, how dare you forget Gabriel Davis? Yeah. Gabriel Davis. I mean, he's more of a speedster, but sure. I mean, I, I wouldn't say he was a big, a big uh, catch radius guy, but mm. you know, uh, he's a speedster who can catch the football. 
um, you know, with the Chiefs, all right, they're built slightly differently, but then you've got you know, Travis Kelsey, massive catch radius. He can catch the football. All right, he's a tight end. You've got Tyreek Hill, who actually, surprisingly, has a bigger t- t- you know, catch radius than his, t- his frame would suggest, but he contests and wins 50-50 balls a lot um, and wins them well. Um, you know, the Buccaneers, you've got Evans, who probably is the biggest catch radius of anyone in the NFL, um, in my opinion, at least. Um, you know, you've got Devontae Adams, very, very similar, big catch radius guy. Who, who are the Ravens got? You've got Marquise Hollywood-Brown, who, whose catch radius is about the size of a pea. If it's on a dime, he'll catch it. And you saw it on, on the weekend. If it's on a dime, he'll catch it. If it's not on a dime, he can't get it. You know, Willie Sneed, is he going to get it done? No. This is why Mike. This is why Mark Andrews gets a lot of the targets, mm. especially in the red zone, because he's the only guy with a catch radius. So you need to get guys on the outside, on the perimeter. You know, it's all good. They're sitting there playing like a speed outside perimeter game. I mean, that's all jazzy, but if you're playing against good corners who can cover, what are you going to do? Your plan B is to run with Lamar. Yeah. So you stack the box. You play big guys on the perimeter who can, who who are smart and can can zone out the guys or play man. Then what do you do? What's your plan C? Because that's where they're at. They don't have a plan C. They've got a plan yeah. A and a plan B. And if you play against a good defense um, like they did last year and like they did this year, you're going to snuff them out. Yeah, especially against the Bills. We've got one of the best cornerback rooms in the league. The Packers exactly. advanced to the NFC Championship game with a 32-18 win against the Rams. We mentioned a little bit about this earlier. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the Packers were good and not great. Um, everyone was sitting here. I saw on Twitter, everyone was waxed lyrical about Rodgers. I don't think this was one of his better games. I mean, he he missed uh, he missed a couple of guys wide open down the field. Yes, okay, he lands one late to Lazard that kind of was the icing on the cherry on the top of the cake um, to clinch the game. But realistically, I, I thought that they played well. I didn't think they were brilliant. Um, I think the Packers would admit that. Um, I, mean, pa- I mean, don't get me wrong, Aaron Rodgers had a phenomenal season. Um, Going to be the league MVP, in my opinion, and rightfully so. I'm, I'm not disparaging um, Rodgers in any way. But... I just think for me, this wasn't their best performance and this was the worst Rams defensive performance you're probably likely to see over the next few years. Mm. Um, I mean, they were, they were really abysmal. They gave up nearly 500 yards of offense in this game. Aaron Donald wasn't fit. That that clearly had a huge impact. But the corners were, for me, quite soft. Um, didn't play with the kind of coverage that we're used to seeing. Um, there just wasn't a lot of pressure. I mean, Aaron Rodgers had time and time and time in the pocket. I just felt this was this was more one-sided than than the score suggests, and I, I, the one thing I would say is I actually thought Jared Goff had a, had a reasonable game. He really hung in there and he fought hard. Um, and fair play to him because he's not 100 percent either. But yeah, I mean the, the score line. It, this could have been a 20-point win. It really was. It really wasn't competitive at all. This game, um, and was an easy one to kind of just get through and, and watch um, but it, it was it, it wasn't competitive really as much as seeing the Bills Ravens game th- these were the two Saturday games and they they weren't competitive at all and if you were expecting a really big um, Saturday night you got treated to some great plays and some great offense but I wouldn't say you watched great games because they weren't competitive. Mm. Let's move on to Super Sunday then for your Buccaneers. But before we get there, the Chiefs advanced to the AFC Championship game with a 22-17 win against the Browns. Yeah, I, I, for me, I think I think the Chiefs were, will probably count themselves lucky to win this game. Um, this was a strange game because, you know, you get the, the helmet-to-helmet and it's helmet-to-helmet. I don't understand how helmet-to-helmet isn't reviewable. Um, and then Higgins is reaching for the the goal line, um, which he shouldn't do. Stefanski afterwards says, you know, we we train our guys not to do that. And he basically takes a first and goal from the one or two if he just goes down and takes the takes the yardage um, right before the end of the half um, to fumbling the football. It goes out the back of the end zone. It's a touchback, and then the Chiefs go up the other end and and score points. And all of a sudden, this could have been you know ten ten at half time. Um, and it turns out that, that you know the, the the Chiefs are going in with a much bigger lead at halftime than they should have done, and then Baker Mayfield gets picked off at at the you know first drive of the second half. Um, they get an instant uh, red zone possession, the Chiefs, and then Butker hits the upright with with, with his field goal. He missed two in this game, and that would have been to go three scores ahead. And I I think I wrote right before the field goal, this game's over, it's done, and then. 
it just sort of opened up for the Browns. They just started to attack. Um, Chiefs failed to score many more points than than that. Um, and the Browns got into this game, and then Mahomes got injured. Haney comes in, and they get the ball back um, down, you know, down five. Um, with Chad Haney, the backup quarterback, they got six, seven minutes to play with. You know, you go on a long drive there, and you score. You probably win the game. And this is where the Browns will look at this and think, we probably should have won the game. We've got the ball down five. They've got their backup quarterback in, um, who's not played much this season. They didn't get it done. And they had to punt the ball to the Chiefs. And they kept on with the ball. Chad Haney on a third and 14. Uh, I don't know if you've heard the commentary on it. It's, it's brilliant. He scrambles for, you know, it was third and 15. He scrambles for 14 and a half yards. And then they go for it on fourth and fourth one to win the game um, because they ice it and they make the play. And fair play to Haney, fair play to um, Andy Reid for going for it um, because they could have punted the ball back and given Baker Mayfield a, you know, a minute to win the game. But yeah, I, I think the Chiefs will count themselves lucky. Like, given everything that happened in that game, a lot of things went their way to make it happen. And the Browns will sit there and think, we might never get a better chance to go to an AFC championship game. Oof. Yeah. But, you know, they, they might come back stronger next year. They've got a good team, but they need to do more with their offense other than run the football. Because when they get behind, you can't run the football. Absolutely. Right, Murph, fire the cannons. The Buccaneers advance to the NFC Championship game with a 30-20 win over the Saints. You've got five minutes. Make the most of it, big man. Well, listen, this this was a game of, of really so many proportions. I mean, the Saints controlled this game early. Um, you know, they came out, were disciplined, were hard. You know, they were making the yards. The Buccaneers' offense didn't really click. That first quarter was was very one-sided, but didn't result in a lot of points. Um, you know, it's pretty much Kamara was, was running that offense. Um, I think Breeze went in at halftime with 60, 70, maybe 80 yards passing. Like, he didn't have a lot of yardage. It, it all went really through um, Kamara. But what they did do on their first two drives is they got huge kickoff or punt returns. Um, so they gave them short fields, which allowed them to score points. Um, and then the Buccaneers get a get a turnover. Um you know, they they get a they get an interception, um, they get an instant opportunity to um for a short field advantage, which they score a touchdown off. And then really the game play the game really changed on this on one play. It was quite close, it was tied at half time. Um I think it was thirteen apiece at half time. And where the game changed um with the with the Saints winning the game up seven is Breeze connects to, to Jared Cook and, and Devin White makes a play where he knocks the ball out of, of Jared Cook's hands. Um, sorry, it wasn't White. White picked up the fumble, um, but there was a yeah, there was a basically a forced fumble. Um, White gets the ball, he runs it back, gives the Buccaneers a red zone opportunity. They score off that, and then the momentum of the game just completely changed on that on that one play. Really, what you saw was a coming of age from the cornerback team. So the secondary, which has been a Buccaneers problem for for ages, Sean Murphy Bunting had an interception. Carlton Davis reduced Michael Thomas to zero catches on on the night. Jamal Dean had a big game, and these guys, you know, they got hurt and they had to keep bringing new people in. Um, different players were having to come in and play because the cornerbacks kept getting hurt. Uh, five different cornerbacks played in this game. Um, Devin White was an absolute monster. I mean, anyone that tells me that you shouldn't draft a, a linebacker at five should just go and watch the game and watch Devin White. He absolutely bossed it everywhere. Um, and the other thing was the Bucks' offensive line. You know, Brady was clean. He just he didn't really get hit. One sack all night. Um, you know, the Saints got nine sacks on Brady in the in the regular season over two games, and they got one. And, and that was the difference. Brady didn't turn the ball over, and the Saints turned it over four times. Um, two late interceptions from from Breeze. Um, one of them led to Brady getting a sneak for a 10-point lead, and then the other really just sort of iced the game. And the Buccaneers took care of business. And, you know, the better team won in, in all facets. You know, they were better on defense. They were better on offense. And they didn't turn over the football. And, you know, as I said earlier, for the way that Drew Brees has a career, that's a nightmare way to end because, I mean, even Jameis Winston threw a touchdown in this game um, <laughs> and he looked far more impressive in the one throw he made than, than, than Brees has had in, in quite some time. And 
they just struggle to really get some big plays. And the thing with this is when they, and they missed Taysom Hill in this game because they had no variance. It was when Breeze was in and you know, there's no Taysom Hill. You, you're basically at the situation with, with the saints now where you've got with the Buccaneers, one of the two best run defenses in the NFL and then what you've also got is a quarterback who can't throw the football very far. So you narrow the field. So you know as cornerbacks, you, you can you can play man, you don't need to play zone because you don't have to worry about the deep ball because it's not coming. So you can get aggressive on your man. And that's where they were made the opportunity to make plays. You can't have a quarterback who can't throw the ball downfield playing because it limits your options. And especially when you're playing against a team who can stop the run. Mm. Um you kind of snookered because there isn't anything you can do. You know, you play short stinty passes and hope you don't turn the football over. You know, the, the corners can play pretty aggressive and the linebackers, when you've got two, you know, uh, sideline to sideline linebackers who can just work the field, you know, and then you've got Anton Winfield Jr. He was sorry. Anton Winfield Jr. Was the guy who, who made the play for the, uh, for the fumble. And, you know, you just got some quick guys there and they just had no game plan. And, the coaches on the Buccaneers side adjusted during the game. Sean Payton and, and the Saints just did the same thing throughout and it didn't work and they kept trying it. And it's a shame for for Drew Brees that he goes out. I, I You never want to see a player go out playing one of their worst games in their career. That's And that's true of anyone. As much as it benefits the Buccaneers and, and benefits me as a fan, as much as I'm not a big Saints supporter, you, you still don't want to see that. You still want to see them go out at least slinging it and having a go. Yeah, and, and they didn't, and it was disappointing. And Sean Payton was, um, what should I say, not overly complimentary of the Buccaneers at the end of this game. I mean, he, he gave some sort of lip service praise, but um, he didn't have many great things to say. Um, but there you go. That, this is their last chance to win the Super Bowl now for the next few years. And I don't think Payton's going to go back to the postseason with the Saints unless he stays there for another three or four years. Yeah. Well, Buccaneers advanced the NFC Championship game and we are both stoked for that occasion. Me, probably not quite as much as you, but I'm a Buccaneer for the rest of the, for the, rest of the journey. Unfortunately, Rush Nation, that's going to do it. And we didn't get to the fantasy reflections again, but guess what? The mirror is always hot. It's always looking back and it will be there whenever we get to it because I promise you it is coming. Don't worry. Don't forget to look out for the Hickory Smokehouse pinned tweet on the Twitter tomorrow morning. Have I forgotten anything, Murph? No, uh, we might try and send it out tonight, but if not, it'll be it'll be tomorrow. Um, yeah, just keep um, keep staying engaged with the pod. Um, you know, Rich has has taken over the the Twitter, which is awesome. You'll start seeing some more interesting content go through there. Um, we still got more pods running this week. Um, we're still running our playoff leagues. We're doing quite well in a few of them. The draft one's pretty much over. You know, the only player we have on our draft team is uh, Sammy Watkins. <laughs> <laughs> That's not good news. Um, but our other teams are doing quite well. So, um, yeah, just stay tuned. We're going to have lots of exciting things over the next coming weeks. And we're going to gift someone a box of meat. And we're going to gift uh, someone a really cool signed jersey. We've also got another signed jersey coming um, that we'll do as a giveaway at some point as well. We've got the rushes after the Super Bowl. Don't forget to do that. Uh, and send in your ideas and themes and yeah, just stay involved. Anything you want to hear over the off season, please give us some, some feedback and some comments. It'd be really good to to shape this. And we're going to have a lot more really cool guests um, as well, starting with next week, but then also with the Super Bowl week, um, it's going to be an awesome Super Bowl show. We promise you. 100%. And uh, if you're looking forward to rookie drafts already, the college guys have got their top 100 big board over on the website. So go check that out. But yeah, uh, shout out to Lee on that, by the way, because he's done yes. a phenomenal job with the, with the website and, um, and making it look really, really appealing. And it works really, really well. And he, he worked really hard on that to make it um, as attractive as it can be, but just make it really user friendly as well. So, uh, big up him, but uh, all the guys there, um, Rich, Tom, Ash, uh, have worked really, really hard um, mm-hmm. to make a really, really exciting piece of content. So if you're just, even if you're not a massive um, NFL draft or um, college person, you can learn a lot just from, from reading those profiles. So make sure you do that. We also have an exciting bit of news that we are going to be also launching a form of um, – 
like an index um, for college football. And on top of that, it's going to come with some form of um, sort of rankings um, um, table as a result. So there's going to be some really historical pieces. So if you're not quite into college or you're looking to find a way to get into it, this is a really cool way to track some of the history as well. Yep, 100%. And Rush Nation, that is going to do it for today's show. If you watch us on the live stream and you stuck us with us with us for the whole way through. I have a really cool bit of breaking news. Go for it. It's cool. It's not massively ground... Wow, well, it is groundbreaking. Um, so uh, Sarah Thomas is going to be the first woman to officiate a Super Bowl um, when she works as a down judge for this year's game on February 7th. So oh. we're going to have the first women ref um, or official to um, be part of the Super Bowl crew. Absolutely. So again, amazing. once again, NFL breaking barriers. Really good to see. Love that. Right, Rush Nation, that is going to do it, Murph. I'll catch you down the road. Lee, thanks for everything behind the glass. And as always, Rush Nation, don't forget, keep rushing. a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforyoumc.org. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.